Mother Chuckers. Those mother chuckers, they like to chuck their moms all the way across the room. That's not very nice. Guys, be nice to your moms out there, okay? Welcome back, Pinball Nerds, to episode 163 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name's Orbital Albert, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the top five ways you can change up your game if you feel like you're starting to peak at pinball. Are you starting to peak at pinball? I am. I am numerical-wise, or number-wise, anyways. I still believe that I am getting better at playing pinball, but I totally think I have peaked when it comes to my IFPA ranking. And let me explain that a little better for those of you who don't know. Uh, the International Flipper Pinball Association is a governing body that basically does the awesome work. Oh, excuse me. Uh, does the awesome work of calculating and tabulating who's doing what in the competitive world of pinball. And of course, some other podcasts brag about not talking about competitive pinball. And that's pretty much all we talk about here. Sure, I love the artwork. Meh, I don't really like talking about rumors. Oh, this uh, this pinball machine comes out next week. And then two days later, oh, sorry, I was wrong. And oh, guess what? This is happening. Oh, and two days later, this is wrong. What I do, what I like to do much better, and what I think the fans like better than constantly saying there's a new rumor of a new machine and then constantly apologizing and taking down episodes and going through this over and over again. What I think that people like better is to just take your best guess, take an estimated guess, take all the information, take all the insider information you have from reading Pinside and Tilt Forums and listening to podcasts and talking to friends, take all that information and do a fun podcast like I did yesterday where Doc Brown joined the show 1.21 gigawatts. And just guess at who may or may not be, you know, what's going on in the future. And if you say it, like, if you if you make it a fun show where you have Marty or Doc join you, or I don't know, if you want to do, like, Total Recall and you'd rather have Arnold or something like that, and you want to do some other time type of futuristic thing to guess at what's happening and make conjecture, sure. But the idea of constantly saying, I know for a fact, for a fact, I'm 100% sure I know what the next pinball machine is. And then constantly a fact is not a fact. Uh, I mean, there there is a couple uh, uh, podcasters out there who are like me and they guess and they'll say like, I know Special One Lit, I just heard uh, uh, one of the people on there was guessing that, uh, I think it might've been their special guest. It wasn't Bill or Ken, what's his name? He's going to Texas Pinball Fest, but he was guessing that it might be Black Knight 3000. And if you want to see if Doc Brown goes into the future with the DeLorean and guesses that Steve Ritchie's next game might be, go listen to my podcast from yesterday. It's already at 50 listens, so thanks to all you pinball nerds out there who were nerding out and getting your daily dose of pinball because that's awesome. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to talk about this. I've been in and around. The highest I've ever ranked was like 1890th in the world. Um, I've been sitting in the night, like between 1900 and 2000 for about a year. And, uh, that was about a year and a half ago when I peaked. Now I was traveling more for pinball then. So that makes sense. 
So I have been watching my rating and my rating has slowly been getting better. So I believe, and a lot of people believe that their, your rating is more valuable than your ranking. So your rating is just how are you rated in comparison to all the other pinball nerds out there, right? So uh, for instance, they'll give you a rating out of this whatever, 70,000 ranked players. They will give you a rating and a ranking for how high up on those you are. Um, and let's take a look here at myself, for instance. I should have pulled this up ahead of time. Sorry, guys. Um, let's take a look here. Okay, so I'm 2,031st right now in the world, uh, and my rating is sitting currently at uh, 1,358. Well, my rating is not very good. My rating's even worse. My rating used to be better, guys. See, this is what I'm talking about. I, I can't even look at this website anymore, and I get upset. So my rating, which I do believe is a better value, is showing that I'm 4,800th in the world, and my ranking is showing I'm 2,000th. So this, this is what I'm talking about. I have completely shats the bed as far as my rating and my rankings have gone because I used to be like 1,400th in the world as far as my rating has gone. Um, now you could argue that I'm playing way less tournaments. Like I think I did, I think in 2017, I did like 53 tournaments. That's almost one a week. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's perhaps too many. Um, last year, I dropped that by quite a bit. I think it was at 35 or 36. Uh, now, keep in mind, I do have Monday Night Pinball, which is usually not doing league style. They're usually doing single night style. So probably like, you know, 30 of my 50 tournaments came just from coming to Monday Night Pinballs. And then all of the rest, of course, were, you know, one-off and stand-up tournaments. Um, but someone who's able to go to all the big tournaments and not the small tournaments locally they don't have a league or a game to play those people um quite often their rating is really high in the top thousand but their ranking might not be quite there so i don't want us to put too much value on the rating or the ranking um you might almost you might almost look at the efficiency percentage that might even be a better way to look at it and that is of course when you're looking at ifpa and you're on the the player information you're going to look at player overview. It's going to have rating at the top, then ranking, then efficiency percentage. So efficiency percentage, I'm coming in around 2100th. Ranking, I'm 2000th. And rating, I'm 4800th. So I'm probably in between there. But the main thing is, is that don't even use the IFPA numbers per se to tell if you're peaking. You can tell yourself if you feel like you're peaking at pinball. If it's been, you know, longer than usual, usually I get a win every three to four months. It feels like it's been a a while for me now. It was back in October 29th. So yeah, it's been a while since I had a Debia. And just I just feel like I'm kind of peaking. Now, that does not mean that my how much I love pinball and how much I eat, sleep, breathe pinball is changing. That just means I feel like I've got to do some stuff to shake it up. So without further ado, here we go. The top five things to shake up your pinball game. Number one, Go to an expo, a show, start a new league, go to a big tourney. So we've got, as you heard there from my entry, that was All My Exes Live in Texas by George Strait. All my exes live in Texas. So the TPF is this weekend. I think almost any player going to TPF, that's going to that's gonna shake up your game. You're going to get to go and watch like Bo and Karen's um, blow up and hopefully get to the wizard mode on Alice Cooper. Um, and uh, speaking of Alice Cooper, I just spoke to uh, Darrell or Daryl. Is it Darrell or Daryl? I'm not sure. Pilon or Pylon? 
I don't know. Anyways, Daryl Pilon or Darrell Pilon, uh, depending on if he's French or not and how he chooses to pronounce it, um, has let me know he's got a top of the line new inbox Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle coming from Spooky, hopefully just in time for my streaming gear to be up and going, and I will get to come stream that, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but even just going going to a new show, going to, say, Pember, going to a new league, maybe you join a league out of town, maybe go to a big tourney out of town, all of those sorts of things, go, go see Bo and Karen's, you know, blow up a game, go listen to Steve Ritchie, talk about how his next game may or may not be the Beige Night 3000 in the year 3000. All right, number two, play with better people. So this is a really big one. My buddy Pete, uh, who you may have heard I did the episode, Don't Be Like Burnout Pete. Hopefully Pete never listens to that because he's supposed to be my hiking partner on the Bruce Trail. But um, yeah, play with better players. He used to be, him and I used to play Froth, also known as Frisbee Golf or Disc Golf. And uh, he still plays. I don't play as much, but I've still got my discs in the back room, and I'll I'll bring them out. If I was coming down to Texas Pinball Fest, you know I'd be looking up a local disc golf course to go throw some discs. But anyways, disc golf is totally rad. It's it's no pinball, don't get me wrong. But it is you do get a little more exercise and a lot more vitamin C when you're out there. And it's just social in kind of a different way when you have, you know, a group of four or six guys drinking beers uh, out in nature, uh, throwing some Frisbees, right? And... Uh, enjoying the fresh air, right? So it's a little bit different. But uh, Pete really got to this point where he couldn't get any better in our Thursday night league. He had won every Thursday night for like six months straight uh, without even like literally getting a second and usually beat us handedly by six to eight strokes. So we said, Pete, you're too good for us, buddy. You know you're too good for us. Go on, get on the right team. So Pete joined the Saturday the Saturday morning crew. And within two months of being there, because he went from being one of the best players to one of the worst Sorry, he went from being the best player in our Thursday night beer league to being like one of the worst players uh, joining the Saturday morning, uh, uh, <coughs> I believe it's called the River's Edge Disc Golf Crew um, and uh, or St. Julian Disc Golf Crew. And these guys uh, were kicking his butt. They've been playing for years. They were kind of the best of the best of all the beer leagues. They travel. They go out of town for big tournaments. They host a 150-player giant tournament here in the summer. And... Um, as soon as Pete started playing with those better players, they were saying, oh, no, you're you're not supposed to be playing with that plastic here. Oh, no, you're not going to be doing this. It's almost like he, you know, like that guy, we had one of these in our league. I don't want to say names, but he was um, incredible with accuracy with pinball, but he just didn't know about nudging. He had no clue. Like he'd been playing pinball by himself for 15 years, never watched a video, didn't know about, never gone on YouTube and watched it, had no clue you were actually supposed to nudge the ball he, he honestly thought you weren't supposed to nudge it at all. It was just like, whoa, don't touch the machine, right? And because of that, he became deadly accurate, which we might talk about a little bit further on in these. But as soon as he started coming out playing with better players, his game filled out. He started to learn how to nudge, and now he's one of the best slap sa savers in our league and pretty much wins it you know, a good percentage of the time, including perhaps the last time at Lopel. I'll say that as my, my only mini clue. All right, number three, what is the hole in your game? So to me personally, I believe there's four separate uh, pinball skills that every pinball player needs. There's flipper skills, uh, there's game knowledge, there's nudging, 
and then there's accuracy. So let's go back to flipper skills. What are flipper skills? Flipper skills are the ability not to know when to flip at precisely the right time to hit your shots, but more so flipper skills are about knowing when not to flip. In fact, the dead bounce, uh, shout out to Jack Danger, by the way, uh, for anyone who was watching Jack Danger last night, it was so funny. Um, I was watching Colorado Pinball after they got raided by Buffalo Pinball, and then I was also watching Owls. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a top five, and I'll mention you, Owl Pinball. I forget your name. I think you're in Florida, but he was playing dialed in. So I was kind of just rotating between all the channels, like one might do in their channel surfing on Twitch. And uh, Buffalo Pinball was playing TNA. Shout out to Skip, man. That was awesome. Um, and then I got thrown over to Colorado. And the only reason I wasn't watching Dead Flip, because you know Jack Danger, you're my boy. If pinball's on, I'm usually watching you. Usually, unless the machine that's on I like way better. And in this case, there was Dialed In and TNA. So it's like uh, my favorite game and my fifth favorite game. Which do I choose, right? But I did go over to Jack Danger just in case he was, uh, you know, if Jack Danger was on, like, Skateball or something like that, I would have had to tune in for sure. And I would have been watching somewhat, but I would have had to stay on his channel. And I went over there. And now it didn't, he wasn't lying on Twitch. It didn't say he was streaming pinball. It said just chatting, and he was chatting, but he was streaming skee-ball. And I thought that was so rad. This guy's ski streaming skee-ball. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, there's no skill to this. And then I started really watching the players, and I was like, what? So I won't say if the guy who won, but there's like this like seven-foot-tall dude who shot a perfect in the preliminaries, okay, in the early rounds. He shot, so for, if you remember skee-ball, think about going to like, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever when you're a kid. You got those balls that you whip up. And come on, we're all in the arcade and whatever. We know about skee-ball. Anyways, he's nailing these 100 points, which are really hard to do. Like, I could shoot 10 shots and not get it. He got every single shot in a row in the 100 in the prelims. Every single shot. And then once you get to the finals, there's all these different things. And what you actually end up doing uh, later on is you end up having to do, like, play almost like a game of horse, but we will talk about that later. Okay, so flipper skills, knowing when to dead bounce, when, knowing when to do a post pass, um, knowing when to do a flipper pass. That's even more important when it's coming down your in lane, it's, it's hot and you want to slow it down to cradle up. Cradling up, that's another thing. That's a flipper skill, being able to cradle, being able to do cradle separations. Actually, Skip was showing me the, uh, the two different ways to do a cradle separation, explaining the positives and negatives of both of them on Buffalo Pinball last night, and I thought that was pretty cool. Then you have nudging. If you haven't listened to my top 10 different nudges you should do, I have them ranked in order from how easy they are to nudge to how hard. I don't know. I did that about 10, 15 episodes ago. Go take a listen to that. That's a really cool one. That explains all you need to know about nudging. Nudging usually is the final one of all this to come, but it's not the, the final one to be refined. For I believe at this point, I don't have tons of flipper skills to gain. Like I have some, uh, and I don't have tons of nudging to learn, but I have some. The accuracy has been the one that's been the hardest for me so far, other than game knowledge. Game knowledge is always going to be the final one to come because there's literally hundreds of popular, hundreds of popular games out there and thousands of pinball machines made over the years, but only hundreds really that survive that you're going to see. I would, I would like to say, I mean, at Pimberg, uh, with, through the Papa organization, they've got what, 400, something like that. So I would like to guess there's maybe 500 that are played in competition play. 
and up to a thousand that you see, maybe 800 that you see somewhat common. And then a thousand you're talking, now we're starting to push, you know, getting really rare in there where there's only maybe a couple do dozen owners who have this machine in, in, in good condition. But um, so game knowledge is always going to be the last one. And it's perhaps for me, it's the hardest one to work on because it's the least fun because the game knowledge is hardest to work on while playing. And for me, easiest to work on while I'm watching a tutorial or while I'm watching a live stream and, and getting taught about it while someone is playing right beside me and I'm watching. Um, so that's, look at the hole in your game, go over with, maybe ask a really close friend or family member who knows you and knows you pinball wise and say, what do you think I'm the worst at between these four? And especially between the flipper skills, the nudging and the accuracy, those are the three you can practice the most at home if you have a pinball machine. The game knowledge is the one you have to practice the most at home. If you don't have a pinball machine, Get out there, get friends with pinball. There's lots of cool people who let you play. Get out in and either go on the pin side map or uh, you know go on to IFPA and look at the calendar for the upcoming tournaments and leagues and find some pinball pals because pinball pals are the best. That's what I'm going to say. All right, number four, play some new games. So if you have games at home, switch them out. Uh, if there's a town, you know maybe a little closer to your town that's has brand new games you haven't played in a while, go there and play them. Go out in the wild and support your local bars, your barcades. They're popping up everywhere. If you have a town that's within a lot of us, like I live in London, but I'm about two hours away from Toronto and Toronto gets new pins on a weekly basis. London gets new pins every couple months, maybe one or two here or there. So, you know, I might have to travel to Toronto. That could be the smartest thing I could possibly do, right? To just play new games. And that's really going to get me excited about pinball again and get me interested in wanting to learn that new game knowledge. And hopefully, even if I don't end up getting necessarily getting better flipper skills, nudging, or accuracy from playing those new games, I'll definitely get increased game knowledge, comfortability, and confidence on those machines when you do have to play them in the future. So number five, this is very important. I saved this one for the end for a reason. Practice with a purchase. Every one of my pinball buddies has done most of the ones I've listed so far, the first four. But most of you listening to this do not practice with a purpose. Uh, the one gentleman I know that does practice with a purpose is Mark Turand, phenomenal player. And Mark does not have a pinball machine at his house. He's probably one of the top consistently finishing players, <coughs> possibly the only person at Loppel, uh, Canada's most rad, if not uh, one of the largest Canadian pinball leagues, uh, the London Ontario Pinball League. He consistently gets top 10, if not top 5, and quite often does do really well in finals, yet he doesn't own a single solitary pinball machine. So how does he get his game knowledge? He is forced to watch tutorials online, play pinball arcade to get game, game knowledge, and even more importantly, when he does go somewhere, he practices with a purpose. So on Thursday nights when we have all you can play, I call the office, which... By the way, tonight might be the last one, so try to make it if you're listening. I'm going to try to make it. I don't know if I will, but I'm going to try to. But practicing with a purpose is so freaking important. I can't overstep that. If, for instance, I gave out before on a previous podcast was that I saw him once just sitting there and continually hitting the right ramp on Kiss on a Thursday. I was like, uh, dude, it's your right ramp's not lit right now. You're like one shot away from Love Gun. Why aren't you going for that? He goes, 
oh no, I'm just trying to hit the right ramp over and over again all night tonight. I can never backhand that right ramp. And lots of times I get X far, far through the wizard mode or I've got X number of instruments and all I need to do is hit that stupid right ramp to move on further in the game and beat it. And when I get to that part, when I know I need to hit it, I can't hit it. So now when it's on free play, I want to just sit here and practice with a purpose. And sure enough, a game or two later, he's in there and he's playing and he's got like over 150 million and he's just backhanding. He's backhanding that uh, ramp from a cradle. He's backhanding it from it moving. And if you can backhand hand that right ramp like that, how many other awesome pinball machines can you now backhand a tight ramp that's hard to hit from the opposite uh, uh, from the opposite flipper, right? So anyways, practice with a purpose. Get on there. And this is what I was talking to. Uh, this is why I was kind of mentioning Jack Danger earlier. In the final round for Ski Ball, Jack made note that basically, and a couple people in chat, thanks to the chat there, said, hey, this is basically horse. So like the one guy would say, okay, I'm going to shoot it. And he was doing this behind the back, put it in 100. Now, I don't know who the heck can do that or behind the back and put it in, in 500 or 50 or whatever it was. And then the other guy did a between the legs. And then the other guy did a bouncing off the side, then into the 40. And now they weren't nailing all of them, but they were hitting some of them. And I don't want to give it away who wins. Go watch that uh, Go, go visit Jack Danger's stream and, and watch that if you're so inclined or you think, I bet you when you watch it, you'll think it's, especially the finals, you think, well, this is cooler than I thought it would be. Um, the world premiere of skee-ball. Um, anyways, what I was getting at is with this is Jack, I, I had written in the chat, and of course he's really busy and it's dark lighting there, he probably didn't see it, but, and I had said, we do play horse with pinball, especially when I was down to back in the day, I think I just had uh, Meteor. Before I got Solar Ride. So with Meteor, we would say, okay, you got to rip the spinner three times. Or we'd say, okay, you got to let it bounce off the Kirk Post once successfully, then get one flip on it and hit one switch before it goes down. Or we would say, okay, you've got to spell Meteor once. That's it. And what I would do is for newer players coming to my house, I was consistently getting 800,000 to a million on that. They were, a lot of them were consistently getting like a quarter of that or half of that, even if they were good players. So it was boring all night for us to play for loonies. Okay, so what we would do is we would play either pin golf, um, which I made my own version of pin golf, where if you got like a hundred thousand, it was a par, uh, hundred thousand on the by the second ball was a birdie, and a hundred thousand on your first ball was a hole in one or an ace, right? And then uh, hundred fifty thousand by ball three would be a bogey, or or sorry, if you didn't get a hundred thousand by ball three, then it would be a bogey. Then if you didn't get seventy five thousand by ball three, it would be a double bogey. If you didn't get 50,000 by ball three, it was a triple bogey. You can get 25,000 by ball three, it was quadruple bogey, and so on and such forth. Um, so that's just another fun game you can play. But the accuracy game, playing horse, I just quite enjoy. And it was, it made, what I would do is I would break down the game into just one spot that you had to do, like all the drop targets on the left, you got to get all those done, right? So when you break the game down to that, and this is something you can do by yourself, this is something you do on Pinball Arcade, this is not something I recommend doing on location. Obviously, when you're playing, paying a dollar per thing because that's just silly, right? Um, you would just spend too much money. But yeah, check that out and, and and practice with a purpose. And even if you are paying for loonies, practice with a purpose of of saying, okay, like so. Say for instance, right now I have rented Walking Dead. I know how to get into Well Walker. I can get into Well Walker in under a minute. My record was like 46 seconds or something. I got into Well Walker by doing a, a slow plunge, not listening, not even trying for the uh, skill shot. Didn't want the ball to get stuck in the uh, pop-up bumpers and lose my 20 seconds there. And 
I have been practicing this because I watched the Heads Up Challenge that was, again, uh, posted uh, on Jack Danger's Dead Flip um, the day after the circuit finals. And they were like, as quick as possible, who can do this? As quick as possible, who can do this? So I started practicing that, and that's practicing with a purpose. But now when I'm going up to Walking Dead, because I can do it so easily and I know I can, unless I'm trying to get a high-scoring game or trying to get to hoard or something like that, what I do now is I just try... Uh, like I know how to do prison. I know how to do barns. So now I'm just trying to nail those left and right ramps constantly back and forth. Now, am I still trying to get a good score? Yes. If I see I'm like two hits away from well walker, will I go for it? Yes. If I open up prison, well, shoot, and trying to shoot that left ramp, will I just go for prison for a bit? Sure. If I see I'm like a couple shots away from bloodbath, am I going to go for it? Of course. However, what I'm saying is my primary purpose is just learning to nail both of those ramps because right now, when I need to hit the ramps in the game to do something, I suck at doing so. So practice with a pur purpose, guys. Hopefully these five tips help you shake up your game. And uh, before I go, I did want to mention um, two nights ago, I got to do the world premiere of the Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, which is an, a game by Mark in City, who's part of Lopple here and uh, is actually does records all of our scores. So thanks for doing that, Mark. And over and above that... Uh, him and his partner have worked on this game for as long, a long time. His partner David did all the artwork on it, and Mark has done all, you know, all or if not most of the coding and the sound. And he's had some friends help him out, but geez, it's been mostly a long labor of love. Five, six years in now, looks great. Please head over to Twitch under Gamma Goat or YouTube under Gamma Goat Rodeo, and of course, in the search, you can probably just put Nightmare Before Christmas Pinball, and it should find it. But it would be really cool if you followed and subscribed. Ian, for coming out. Thanks, Ian. Ian Harewer, thanks so much for doing that. Really appreciate it. I also had a great time with Tony LaViolette and Mike Dimas from the Canadian Pinball Podcast. Yes, boys, your theme song's coming soon. Matt and I are still working on it. Fingers crossed. Knocking on wood, hopefully, tomorrow. So, yes, pinball nerds who are hoping for a daily dose of pinball, you will get another one tomorrow and you probably will get one every single day this weekend of tpf because my pin turn chris is on the ground there and he will be taking your questions taking your missions he will be on the ground ears on the ground finger flipping on the ground for pinball nerds podcast and uh <clears throat> that brings me around to the next point Please, please, please send me. It is around noon on Thursday. You have until tomorrow around 4.20ish. Between 4 and 5, Matt McGoffin and I will be, uh, he'll be coming and co-hosting again. We're going to be taping an episode live on location in Matt's basement arcade studio before we head out to Poker and Pinball um, at Tony's house. <clears throat> so you have about, depending on when you listen to this, you, you have basically before right before TPF starts, hopefully, and, and Chris, if you get there before that, I'm sorry, but we'll get you some missions by tomorrow night around dinner. Um, but yeah, guys, if you have any missions, anything you think would be cool, anything you think that would be fun, um, if you want him to uh, throw a drink in Kaneda's face like Kaneda did to Tim Sexton, just kidding, I wouldn't do that. No, I'm, I'm no, peace, peace to the podcasters. Let's be, all be friends. Why can't we be friends? Um, no, I, I, we won't be doing anything like that. That was totally just a joke. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be a fun show. And I hope you guys are there to listen. Um, 
and watch. It will be streamed live. I'm not sure where it's going to be streamed live, but somewhere on Twitch. So keep your eyes, ears open. I will share the link on the Pimmel Nerds Facebook group. And until next time, guys, I'm going to sign you out with one of my favorite artists from Texas, Buddy Holly. And until next time, eat, sleep, breathe, pinball. <laughs>